I love that just that concept is we design things that are beautiful so we can be proud of and they can be become part of who we are. Welcome to Design Makes Everything Better, a podcast about design as a process for making decisions and succeeding. Today on episode number two, Vince interviews Tarek Haddad, founder and CEO of Peace by Chocolate, a Syrian refugee-created Nova Scotia-based chocolate company. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, welcome to Design Makes Everything Better. My name is Vince Vandenbrink. I'm a partner at Breakhouse, the host of your podcast. Thank you very much for taking the time and your busy schedule to listen to these stories. We will be releasing a podcast every two weeks. So after you check out this and hopefully share and subscribe and like, make sure that you tell anybody else that you think may enjoy the subject matter so we can uh, make sure that the story is heard by as many people as possible. In this episode, we had a great conversation with Tarek Haddad, a Syrian refugee who created a Nova Scotian-based chocolate company, Peace by Chocolate. It is a truly amazing story of how he and his family ended up creating something which sends a powerful message of peace across the country. Our relationship with him has been to date with the retail space that we designed for him. And the podcast is a really great vehicle for us to expand on what people might just be looking at. It's the subject matter that goes in behind a lot of the things that design can change. Tarek walks us through all of the amazing things that his family has gone through. And then, of course, the beginning of the fantastic company, Peace by Chocolate. Then, with regards to the power of brand, man, you cannot imagine the speed of which an amazing story that has really gone to empower a lot of other community groups can then invigorate the product they're putting forward. So there is definitely a lesson to be learned in his story, a brand as authentic as his, if connected to a product, which makes sense, can be mutually beneficial. He is an amazing guy. It is definitely a story about Canada, uh, the Canada that we all want to be in, and uh, the great people that we can support. I hope you enjoy this episode. I certainly did. Everybody in the office here really has profound respect and admiration and love for Peace by Chocolate. As we continue to work with them, we certainly do continue to grow and uh, I would say be better people because of it. Enjoy this episode. Direct. nice to uh, have you on our podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much, Vince. Our podcast is called Design Makes Everything Better. I think mm. it would probably help if I outline a little bit about the context of the podcast, and I think it'll help frame our conversation a little bit better. Are, are you okay if I just take that off a little bit and go on a little bit of a speech, and then we can get into it? Absolutely. Yeah, I would love to hear from okay. you. This is a brilliant name, by the way. It's just very... Uh... I think resonating that the, the moment that I was just reading some of the information about this podcast, I'm like, yeah, this is absolutely what I am into it. Like I'm really interested in this topic uh, and I'm oh, really looking great. forward yeah. to the conversation. Design in the context of the podcast is not just the end result right. of design, like say a, a chair, a chair right. is the result of design but in the larger context of design in which we can make something better mm -hmm. it's a way of thinking you know design thinking is the process it's very entrepreneurial mm -hmm. it's looking for opportunities where others may not have believed there to be any yeah. opportunity problem solving in order to to resolve things that may have not been considered before so yeah you know piece by chocolate is, is such a, a great example of finding an opportunity in something and working towards making the world a better place. I think maybe just to kind of ground the, the conversation a little bit for maybe some listeners that might not be as familiar with your story, I'd love for you in your own words to tell us the origin story of Peace by Chocolate, and then we can get your perspective on the company and its future from there. Yeah, absolutely. Would you like me to go for two hours, three hours? You set the limit. I would go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I would I would leave a lot about the conversation, uh, but I'm telling you the highlights like of the story, so we can leave uh, sure. something to discuss and uh, and chat about. So for, for those who are not familiar with our story, the entire thing just started way in Damascus in 1987. My my dad. Uh, a year after graduation and a year after he fell in love with the sense of entrepreneurship after he told my grandmother well he's no longer passionate about being a civil engineer he went to the wedding of my cousin they they were really stunned that everyone at the wedding was eating chocolate was happy and my dad told my grandmother at that time that no one eats chocolate will ever be sad so the story of of spreading this sense of joy and happiness is really what got our family into making chocolate. A lot of, you know, brilliant moments in that uh, history of our family that my uh, my entire family were really inspired by my family's passion and appetite towards making something new. And that's exactly what entrepreneurship was for them. Mm-hmm. My mother and my father were like living in, in Damascus. For those who have not been in Damascus, the city is one of the most ancient cities in the world. And Vince and the team, you guys have done some research when you were designing the, the, our, our uh, boutique in, in Halifax. But the, the entire culture there is all about uniqueness. It's all about going back in history. It's all about sharing. It's all about sharing because it is the identity that Syrians are very proud of. At that time in history, our family decided to be uh, leaving a legacy of spreading happiness. And that's when the company started in Damascus. Quick story, short, you know, that whole history of making chocolate in the Middle East really got our family to build the second largest chocolate facility in the region that was exporting everywhere in the Middle East to Europe. In 2012, when the war started in Damascus, my father was like, I'm not going to leave our homeland. I'm not going to leave the factory that I worked so hard to build. I'm not going to leave (laughs) uh, everything behind because... That my family built that with blood, sweat, and tears. Like every entrepreneur, right? Like every entrepreneur, you, these businesses and these enterprises and become the passion, become like part of the family. Like having having a, a new kid. When you when you start a business, it's like having a newborn baby, right? You take care of it, you nourish it, you just are happy with how it grows over time. That's exactly the feeling that my family had. So, unfortunately, in two thousand and twelve. Our factory was bombed by an airstrike by the end of the year. It was after our entire family had left Syria. Many of them went missing. Many of them went arrested. I got many family members that they just, you know, they they disappeared in the war. We still really don't know anything about them. So by the end of 2012, the factory was bombed. And it was then the moment that it disconnected us from our home country. It disconnected us for, for the reason we were like, we lost the factory in the most powerful explosion in the war. And a few months after, me and my brother, we were walking in a sidewalk in downtown Damascus in our second house after we lost the first. And a mortar rocket hit near me and him. So I carried my brother after he lost his consciousness. I ran into the house and I told the family, this is not time to do business. I was going to medical school at that time in Damascus. I'm like, this is not time to do medicine. <laughs> this is the time to survive. So all my family at that time, they left uh, Syria in 2013 and to Lebanon. And Lebanon are like, what are we going to do now? We cannot go back to Syria. We cannot start a business in Lebanon. We cannot live our lives. And we became called refugees. So that was the hard, the hard word that our family had to live by every single day since we left our country. Until Canada in 2014, we're like, by the end of 2014, there was a, an opportunity for us to apply to travel. I applied to travel, come here, continue my studies. And then suddenly my the embassy said, well, your entire family is invited with you. So my family were really excited. We're like, where are we going to travel? I'm like, guess. My father was like, oh, are we accepted to go to Sweden? I'm like, no. My mother was like, to Germany? I said, no. They tried every country on earth, but they did not say Canada. I'm like, we are traveling to Canada. Right. And was their it, faces- It wasn't their last choice though, right? I cannot say I cannot say that but it was like you know after I said Canada 
they were like, but Canada is too cold. <laughs> you know, this is right. this was their nightmare. It's just going. They were like, we're going to the North Pole. I'm like, no, we don't have to be at the North Pole. You know, I know Canada is too cold, but they, they, it has wonderful, warm-hearted people around there that they are accepting newcomers and integrating them into the society. And everyone was excited at that time. So after that, you know, six months after that conversation, uh, my uh, my plane arrived in Toronto. I arrived here on December 18th, 2015. So I'm, I'm celebrating mm-hmm. my fifth anniversary in Canada, and it is super exciting. But I landed here. I, I traveled to Nova Scotia. I came here not because really I chose Nova Scotia. I didn't know a lot about the province before I came here, but because yep. Canadians have chosen and, and picked that. And if I had the opportunity to choose again, I would certainly be more than happy this is a brilliant province warm-hearted people you know friendly environment my family arrived then and then we restarted a chocolate business in nova scotia we called it peace by chocolate for a reason that we wanted to spread peace we want to spread joy but also we wanted to give back uh, to the country that welcomed our family over the years yeah it's it's a it's a powerful story what is it that you think is so universal about the story that has helped so many canadians connect with it. I think everyone desires to understand what can happen when you lose peace because everyone understands the value even though they don't really uh, know that it exists like we are talking today mm-hmm. and we did not just, you know, talk anything about peace until we start this conversation and talk about the company. It is that thing that it exists and we don't notice until it leaves, until we lose it. Right? Mm-hmm. And you don't notice that. Uh, until like, you know, yeah, we are living in a war. Yeah, we cannot do anything. We cannot build businesses. We cannot go to school. We we cannot do anything without peace. And that is, yeah. I think, what, what has connected Canadians to our story. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. our story is just like one of thousands. And we yeah. are really proud that I got a, a birthday <laughs> a video from the prime minister two months ago. And he was telling me that oh, my story is the story of Canada. And that just really opened my understanding that this is so lovely and this is so amazing just to know that this country really has been welcoming immigrants over the years but also we have to do more because we have to give back to to the country we cannot just sit down and just say okay we have arrived home we are safe no i think our responsibility is much bigger and i think there are many many layers to the story events like that really goes way beyond chocolate like chocolate is is again our our tool our ambassadorship, but I would rather, you know, I know that wherever I go in the country now, I'm known as a chocolate guy. I was in Toronto last year. I was sitting in a restaurant downtown Toronto, and the little guy came to me, 10-year-old uh, little boy. He was like, are you the chocolate guy? <laughs> like, I would rather really be known as the, the peace guy. I'm happy with the chocolate guy, but I also want to really leave the legacy that we are a family of peace. Yeah, it, it's a story that really, it's an old story, but it's a new one that I think Canadians can can connect with because it's looking to the future. It's something that's happened recently in the context of all the challenges that we face in the world today. It is just such an uplifting, positive story that people can identify themselves as the the best Canadians can. Like there, Canada does unfortunately have stories of racism and yeah. isolation. That it's just that you know, it's always a part of our history that we, you know, nobody feels proud about. And to have right. your story come out is is really, it just gives us an ability to look at a way of being that's today. Yeah, it's yeah. Not just the way to, we to have that been, point, it's the way we're looking yeah. forward. Yeah. To that point, I, I've been asked a lot about this, and like, you know, I'm a newcomer, and I always, I'm, I'm happy, I'm smiling, I'm sharing all of this positivity about. This is really a beautiful country, and I, I've learned a lot about the history of this country because as a newcomer, I'm really, I was really excited and interested in learning more about the country and the land that I call home now. And I know I learned all about you know, the sufferings of many people. I learned about the sufferings of indigenous peoples. I learned about residential schools. I learned about racism. But when I got my citizenship earlier in 2020, and I was asked, you know, I'm I'm so proud to be Canadian for sure. It's the biggest honor of my life. But I said clearly that when I became a Canadian citizen, I did not just sign up to the country's excellence. 
I also own its mistakes and failures. Right. right. So uh, this yeah. is part of me. When I say I'm Canadian, I take the, the good mm -hmm. stuff and I also take the stuff that is challenging, <laughs> the stuff that needs yeah. to be worked on. Since we, we opened the company, since we launched the business, the first partnership we did was with indigenous communities here in Nova Scotia, with Mi'kmaq communities. And we called our first right. chocolate bars, called it Wanta Udi. That means peace in Mi'kmaq. Because we know that there's nothing nobler than sharing our language, sharing our message, sharing our mission with the mother tongue of the land that we are on. Yeah. And so we have to honor all of those that they have been way, way before us here on this land. Yeah, yeah, it's what it is. My favorite packaging that that you've done the the peace bars, where each language um, that you've picked is what you see in its uh, original script, and then the translation and the phonetics at the bottom corner. It's just it's really powerful. It's probably the most universal line that you have that you know anybody can connect with, and it, it's 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 great. It's it's such a powerful. Uh, message that way yeah and we live in a diverse uh, country that's why like uh, our yeah. peace bars collections like they have more than 24 languages and they are growing so we are adding mm -hmm. languages every month and we are celebrating all of this amazing um, diverse languages and the brilliant thing about this is whoever you ask on the team like what does peace mean in german what does peace mean in spanish what does mean peace mean in arabic in hebrew all of them, they would tell you, you know, we do a test for all of our staff. <laughs> they have yeah, to know yeah. that the meaning of peace in each language. And this is really the brilliance of it. You know, what you would describe to me as the meaning of peace and how that connects with you, it, it has to be different from, from my understanding and, and belief systems around it, I'd imagine, just because of your personal yeah. experiences. It, it does. It, it certainly has different understandings between each experience and between uh, even for me before the war, like peace for me was just not living in war, not living in violence right. because we were, you know, the tensions in the Middle East have been there before even I was born, you know, it's been like decades and centuries. So when I was born, I'm like, yeah, we are living in peace since 19, since I was born, it was like, there was no war. Like I did not really live a war until 2012. So I'm like, yeah, we are living in peace, but I was wrong. I was wrong. Peace is not only not right. living in war. It's not only not not feeling the tensions. It is that state of 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 mind in the beginning of um, am I really satisfied with what is around me? Am I really feeling that the environment is supportive? Am I really feeling that people are understanding each other? Am I really feeling that these different ethnicities or religion within one country are are living together with harmony, with you know, with all of this amazing cohabiting uh, with each other in one country is phenomenal. But also, we have to understand that people are different, right? And mm -hmm. with difference comes always misunderstanding. I know that in Canada we always say our difference is our uh, source of strength, but that's because in Canada so many people really understand. What does it mean to be different? So many people understand that I am, you know, I came from the Middle East. I don't have to share, you know, the same culture when I come here. I have my own culture. No one asked me to take off anything of that culture when I came here. The same thing was in Syria, you know, the, but there was something missing, which is people were, were living in circumstances that led them to uh, switch their, their value of peace to have freedom. They over, you know, they, they, uh, I think they wanted freedom and to regain peace. At that time in Syria, people did not have freedom and no one really was even free to, to have their own opinions. Everyone was really scared to share who they are. Everyone was scared to, to tell others about their political opinions. Everyone was, you know, scared to tell, to tell others about what, what are their interests. <laughs> it was like a dictatorship, mm -hmm. living in dictatorships. That's, you know, that's the meaning of understanding uh, and, and the understanding of peace is, you know, we are not living in war. So the country is peaceful. It is great. And I have to say that Syria was really safe. If we are talking about peace as safety, yes, Syria was safe before the mm -hmm. war. You can go anytime you want. You can celebrate your own uh, uh, traditions. But then there, with the absence of freedom was the fuel that has really ignited the war in the beginning in 2012. So my understanding of peace right now that the conclusion that I came to is it, it is the noblest thing on earth 
that everyone should fight for and should fight for yeah. peacefully. Yeah. Because yeah. again, without peace, I have really to repeat this because this is my tagline. It is without peace, no one can go to work. No one can build businesses. No one can go to school. You cannot raise kids. You cannot build a family. You cannot do anything without peace. And we could not have done this podcast without peace. Yeah, it's fundamental to being human. A hundred percent. So in your in the business of um, Peace by Chocolate and how you've partnered with other cultures, community groups, there's a long list of other partnerships that you've had. I'm curious to just kind of dive into some of the, the business sides of uh, Peace by Chocolate. How do you yeah. find the partner that's right for you in 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 what you do? I call it the social wing of Peace by Chocolate started uh it started first in 2016, before even the business was registered officially. And I'm not sure if uh, Canadians should remember always the wildfires that happened in Fort McMurray in 2016 in Alberta. Yeah. And there were like hundreds of thousands of people who lost their jobs, who lost their work, who their, their kids were out of schools. You know, it was disastrous. And my family and I, we were watching the news that uh, we were watching national news at that night um, in May, I remember. And my, my parents were tearing up. We were like, we were seeing Canadians fleeing their homes. They were really frustrated and disappointed. And they were really sad that this has happened to, to them. And we said, okay, we have tried this feeling. It was a point in our life when we were like, we have lost everything. And we were forced to leave our homes. And so we were like, we are now in Canada. We are living in Atlantic uh, region we have the ability to do something about it even though our business was really small we were just selling at the farmer's market here in Antigonish and New Glasgow and Mabu and we were just like our business was was just starting and we we're like what can we do what can we do it doesn't matter how much we can do but also it's our ability that we are now safe and we are living in peace how can we give back and contribute to Canadians who have opened their arms to, uh, to contribute to our uh, arrival in Canada. So we donated our profit in May 2016 to Canadian Red Cross to support and relief efforts to help those Canadians who lost their houses, lost everything. And then it, it was the idea that, yes, that was a one-time initiative. Let's make it more organized. So when the company mm -hmm. was, was formally uh, established, uh, we have uh, said that let's look into people with uh, with causes let's do uh, you know contribute to everything good in this country and that's really the the, mm -hmm. the the fundamental part of our partnerships is whoever is doing good things in the country is our right partner at peace of air society whoever they are and we started with many uh, partnerships at that time but at the end of the day, let me just explain to the listeners that our peace on air society that you can learn more about at peacebychocolate.ca, we donate at the end of each year three to five percent of our profit, our uh, proceeds in the year to many organizations, many people who email us uh, around the year to support these causes. Yeah, you know, in the in the realm of uh, social entrepreneurship, it's it's clear in in so many cases now, and it, it's it's uh, it's really opening up a lot of the minds of consumers that they can attach themselves to specific brands because they know that there's a bigger good that's following from the loyalty that they might have in a particular brand. And also, come full circle, it, you'll do well when more people are recognizing the good that you're doing as well as the the associations the the charities that or the community groups that are benefiting from the sale of of your product so it's it's a nice full circle that, you know everybody can win out of, of something like this yeah, um, yeah absolutely and that comes back uh, Vince to the to the way we do business is we know that the any brand in 2020 and after that it's it's about solving it's not about selling brand is about solving it's not about selling right so what cause are we are we solving that we are really focusing on at uh, at, at a certain period of time that's really mm -hmm. what what matters it's not only about yeah we sold a million chocolate bars that year that that's really not not the metric that we use to measure our success our success at the end of each year is what impact did we make as a company right how many lives did we change a brand is is really the vehicle that allows businesses to communicate. 
So, you know, a brand can show itself up on a package or in a retail space. I'm curious about what you have seen over the years. Um, maybe your perspective has changed with regards to how your voice, your brand voice, I, I don't necessarily mean you specifically and as a speaker, but in Piece by Chocolate, how it's showing up on on your website, through other uh, social media channels. Is, is the voice working? Are people, would you say, who are going into a store, uh, say they go to Sobeys right. or something and they right. find your, your bars, how, how yeah. is that connection working? Yeah. And, it, and is it working? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we came to a market in North America that is saturated with commercialism. And, uh, you know, everyone goes to some grocery stores to just buy a chocolate bar. They don't even read the packaging. They don't care about what's on the packaging <laughs> because, because people are busy, to be honest with you. When, when I came when I came to Canada, I was like, uh, how can we translate? It is very hard because we have very much little real estate on this packaging to tell our story. Like, we don't have much space. You cannot share 10 lines about yeah. our story on a chocolate bar. It is impossible. Yeah, yeah. For us, yeah, it was yeah. really, how can we make people just pause? Just pause for a second and let them think, even for, even for a second. Between 2018 and 2019, I lived these two years at the airports. I was flying all the time between regions and watching people. How can they? How are they reacting to our products? Just from from behind, right? I was I was just standing there, yeah. and when they arrived to our product, and they see these colorful wraps. Some of them they pick up those wraps, and they were like, "Oh, this is really interesting. This is different." So I'm like, "Yes, we hit that point. Check mark difference. We are very unique. Yes, we are unique." <laughs> are people really interested? Do they have enough time? That was really the hard part. And we started working on that. It's like a chocolate bar with a peace language. If I don't speak the language, I don't know what that is, right? If I yeah. don't know what what is that language in Arabic or in Punjabi or in German, I'm like, what is this? I don't really understand it until really I have like two, two more seconds to figure out that there is a translation for the word and the phonetics of it. We have realized that uh, maybe first time they did not have time, the next time they did not, but the third time to be like, wow, this is really cool. Okay, let me understand more. Give me, give me <laughs> some, some time. I will understand more. And they started. And we know that change takes time. Like you cannot really change the habits of consumers overnight. It takes years and years. And we are really proud of what we have done, like in the, only in a, in a short period of time, of changing some of the habits because, uh, you know, as a local business in Atlantic region, for example, our major focus as a market, we have realized that, you know, we can do we can do more. So we created another series of dark bars with cashews called Forgiveness Series. Clean the slate, mm -hmm. kiss and make up, bury the hatchet, uh, forgive and forget, turn the other cheek. All of those concepts are all around uh, forgiveness and uh, it all leads to uh, to to peace. So, yes, to your, to your question directly, I think the brand itself, like uh, it was easy to communicate. All people started realizing what does peace mean for us. You know, we have arrived in Canada. We have restarted. We have reestablished ourselves. We are giving back. So our kids don't live the same experiences that we lived in Syria because peace can be lost in a blink of an eye. Peace can be lost in the split of the moment. And you don't really, again, you... And, uh, uh, Every blessing that we have can be lost. So we have to be grateful every second of every day to what we have. At the end of the day, I think Peace by Chocolate has started uh, very with with very modest packaging. We were just using these little tiny boxes that we, we get from wholesale stores. And then we developed mm -hmm. our own branding and our own boxes because we wanted to have our own identity in the market. And then we have upgraded our logo. We have upgraded our slogans, our visuals. And then the peace bars came. Then we have added to that series, and we added the pride bars. When we added peacemaker, then we added peace of mind. Then we added many other. Now we have more than fifty SQs in the company that we uh, we really work hard every day to communicate these messages. But the work is still going. So I have uh, I have uh, some homework to do by the end of 2020, early 2021, to go and analyze what worked, what did not work, mm -hmm. and uh, filter all of those and add the new partnerships and new products. Right. And, and in terms of uh, other vehicles that you have for getting your message out, you know, you've, you know, I've seen recently, I think it was new to me when I started to look into a bit more on your website and so on, since we, 
first met when we were working right. on the retail space. You've really done a lot of, of speaking and uh, you, you're very active in public speaking and uh, your book. Right. The, the book, the, so book ha- the official release date for the book was in, uh, in October. And I have to tell you that we have sold out five times since then. Well, I understood uh, business in Canada differently, I guess, is uh, you cannot have a message and you don't have a voice. You have to have a voice if you have a message. <laughs> or, or how are yeah. people really going to know it? How are people really going to care about it? And if you don't have a story, go create one. Like, it, it's that simple, right? And create one and share it. This is a responsibility for each person. This is a mission for each human being on this planet. So when I came here, I'm like... Canadians need to hear that story. And if I don't speak, no one else is going to speak. And I have my own story yeah. that I'm very proud of. Nothing really to be ashamed of. Nothing to be hidden. Every Canadian really should know about our story. And I took that as a personal responsibility. You know, my family, they are really excited about sharing what we had uh, to live through in Syria and Lebanon, coming here. The mission, the vision, the messages. You are in a new country and you feel that you have a responsibility and a voice to share. Why Why not? And I started, the first speech I did was in Antigonish. And I had no idea what I'm going to speak about before I touched the microphone. But I spoke for almost an hour and a half at that time. I'm like, wow, where did that come from? <laughs> like, I was really surprised with myself. I'm like, yeah, I have a lot yeah, to say. Yeah. So, <laughs> the, yeah, it, it really evolved from there. And uh I've done really hundreds of speeches after that. But now during pandemic, I shifted to online speaking as well. I think uh, we have also other uh, major marketing uh, pieces coming out next year. The movie that was uh, filmed uh, based on our story earlier this year. Real actors, you know, they were just, yeah, they were Mm. acting about our story. But also, you know, the book, there is a reason for the book, especially when I was telling the story a lot in the media. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I did not have the ability to control and fact check some of the information. And some of the information was just, you know, misleading and it was just wrong. And this is really the tough part of having living in this in this uh, time when everyone can be a reporter on social media and they take parts of the story and it just changes right from one post to another copy paste. So it was like, yes, I have to do a book. We have to to record our our details in a book so it can be a living a living document for our story so there is i, I the book is is the version 1.0 1, 1. they will have 2.0 coming soon in the next five years <laughs> so just to tell that's great okay yes this is what happened next in the story i'm, I'm curious of all of the people you must have met in your travels and uh, interviews is there something that you hold as a truth that you feel others don't share and, and the conversations that you've had with people? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, that's that's why I speak to people. That's why I, I travel is because I wanted to, not only to speak to them, but I also wanted to learn from them so I can speak the next event about something to cover this gap. Each person has something different. Each question I've got when I was speaking had added really a lot. So it was mainly, you know, when I was traveling and meeting new people, it was for them to understand that uh, immigrants don't come here to take, but they are here to contribute. Like there was that narrative when I came to Canada. I know that 99% of Canadians were like really amazing. They're supportive. And the point is not really changing the minds of the 1% left now. The main focus for us was continuing to share what we have, regardless if we will have 100% belief in immigration or not. This was not the goal. We will not never reach that anyway, uh, because people are different. Uh, some, you know, the same things I see, you know, in, in gray, you see it in different color. You see it in, in different way. You see it in different angle. It's all about the taste of life. You know, I see immigrants mm-hmm. as contributors to the country, and I'm really proud to be one of them. Uh, some people were like, no, it's all based on personal experiences, I guess, too, because no one, no one was born pessimistic. No one was born frustrated. It's the culture. It's a society. It's a, it's a, 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 a grown-up problem. You know, it's, if whatever you are surrounded with, this is who you are going to be shaped for till the end mm-hmm. of your life. So I hope that my all my speeches, any of the interviews I have done, even a, a tagline or a line that I have said in a 
shortly uh, in a radio interview one time where we're driving, listen to me. I have that changed some of their uh, understanding about newcomers and immigrants and tell them, you know, that there is really a good part of that. We are here to contribute. We are here to build societies and be real Canadians. We are here to to give back. And that's why that's why we came here. And at the end of the day, giving mm-hmm. back is another pillar of our peace foundation. Yeah. And, you know, the the one percent that you're talking about that has that negativity, I, I'd like to believe maybe it's just the optimist in me, but hopefully a rational one that what you're trying to do is fundamentally change some of that. Like if we see an older man, woman that's grumpy and angry, we just kind of brush it off as um, it's just their environment. They must have had a hard time. But when we see a child angry and really upset or frustrated, we think that there's something in their environment that we can change. There, right, there must right. be something because you're too young to feel angry. But yeah, yeah. to accept that if you're old, you're angry, but that's okay. Is yeah. I'd like to think that what you do is hopefully going to transition those into a even marginally better. It's better than just staying angry. And like anything else in life, whatever you learn, you can unlearn. So whoever learned to be to be you know sad about certain group of people or whoever was born to hate to be a bigot and because of the society because of the surroundings because of a family culture of certain sort of kind i think yeah. uh, you have the ability to unlearn this stuff and learning comes from educating yourself there's no reason for ignorance in 2020 yeah. you have the internet go surf the internet and you will learn yeah well you know what's great is what you're talking about is increasing a motivation to to search on the internet and it's a high motivator to want to eat chocolate, you know, so to want to pick up chocolate (laughs) and then learn a story about peace is actually, it's, it's serendipitous that you can benefit from both. What is the goal for peace by chocolate? Where do you see peace by chocolate in the next five years? I think I I've heard you say, or I may have read that you hope to be one of the, the top five chocolate companies and, you know, all of the benefit that comes from that, from, the goals that you've outlined are, you know, of course, going to benefit from that. Where, right. where do you see Peace by Chocolate in, in the next five to ten years? Back to my grandmother's point when she was telling me always that you have to know where you came from in anywhere in life to know where you are going, right? So uh, we came from uh, an understanding that business is about change. And uh, we have started that business and we were really hoping and we were really targeting to be one of the top five chocolate companies in Canada by 2022. Certainly with the pandemic now, we are, we have, because we had to shut down and we had to restart and recover again. Now we are on the way, hopefully to recover again. So that we, I always had that passion to see Peace by Chocolate really one of the top chocolate companies in the country. And I see that really doable. The first half of 2021 will give us a clear picture about when is that going to happen and what is possible to do that? But when I always reflect on my father's comments when we arrived, when he arrived in Canada, three weeks after me, my family arrived and I was in Halifax airport welcoming them and translating when all you know the community in Antigonish drove to the airport. A CBC reporter was at the airport at that time and she was asking my dad, what do you want to do? when you are like in kind of let's say a month from now what do you want to start working on and my father was told her very interestingly in arabic which i was translating he was like maybe like in syria we will start a business and register it and maybe we'll have a factory in 10 years i'm like wow this is really long i'm, I'm like i asked my dad is that really what you want to do in 10 years I was like yes it took us 10 years in syria to register business to trademark the name you know to have full staff, you know, full-time staff, expand. And we we were really surprised. You know, we, just, we registered the business within like two months after arriving in Canada. Two months, we had the business registered. We had sales channels started to open. We had people reaching out to us, asking for custom orders. We did many conferences in Halifax when we sold our chocolate only two months after arriving. So we knew that there is we are up to something. And we knew that we can really grow beyond uh faster, much faster than uh, what we did in Syria. That You know, that yeah. level of expansion that we had right now and growth that we did in Canada within only three years, it took my family in Syria almost 15 years to do it. So yeah. 
I really believe that we can uh, uh, build on that and we can expand uh, furthermore. But uh, at the end of the day, size or uh, the size of the company or the metric that we use is not really, are we really one of the top five chocolate companies? Are we selling $100 million of chocolate a year? This is not what we use mm-hmm. to measure our success. Right. It's yeah. about the yeah. impact. Well, that, that makes really, sense. Yeah, it's about like really what yeah. did we do in the community? How many partnerships did we do? How many lives did we change by donating to these causes, you know, that, that we are, yeah. we are working on. Cause no matter, you know, your efforts and, and sharing your message and really communicating that there is still somebody in the factory who is packaging. There is still somebody who is oh, turning the lights on in the morning. They, they, they both go together. They're, they're not isolated from, from one another. So it's, that's why it's called um, social enterprise. Yeah. It, it's really, yeah, 100%. It, it is, yeah it, it, there is a part of it that is like a regular mm-hmm. business. We have payrolls, we have staff, we have, uh, you know, receivables, we have payables, we have all kind of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, commitments that we have to fulfill as a business. I'm uh, you know, fully aware of that as a CEO of the company. And also trying to grow the business as a uh, the chocolate side of the business very much as we are growing these partnerships because they go alongside there. You cannot separate yeah. them. What is uh, one of your, your biggest pain points in the business that you, you want to solve? I think there, there are many, certainly, you know, like challenges in operations, always in any business, any new business, which is very healthy. Like if you don't have these challenges, that means you're not growing. This is all about the journey is really finding solutions and uh, running a business in a, a remote area in Nova Scotia. We are in a rural community. We are, our factory is on Cloverville in Antigonish. And uh, we are not really like in the center or a hub like Halifax or Toronto or, you know, we can get our supplies here within the hour. We have to, you know, to solve all of that. We are very distant. We have to get our all of our supplies from somewhere in the country. We mainly focus on Nova Scotia, but we have also other suppliers in Ontario, in even British Columbia, and in the in the U.S. We, as I mentioned, you know, we mainly focus on local suppliers, but also getting stuff here, make them, then ship them out. You know, <laughs> especially you know, running running that business can be can be challenging. But as I mentioned, it's all about the first the first steps, like a newborn baby when you start a business. Then when you plan accordingly, when you when you know the timelines, when you have ideas and when you have a strategic planning set in place, things become much easier. But uh, I would say that I don't focus on that pain or, or the stress when I wanted to remember how grateful I am. I just go to my inbox and really read all of those positive, lovely messages that I get. For example, from healthcare worker in Calgary, when we shipped, uh, we, we shipped chocolates to healthcare workers donated to many healthcare centers across Canada since April until now. And when I just read these messages, it really just erases everything and every pain and every challenge because I know that, you know, we are spreading this happiness no matter what, no matter that, okay, we missed a delivery, we missed a shipment. There was a snowstorm in Antigonish. We have to lock down, you know, there was a delay in some side of the operations. We did not get that. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's all worth it at the end of the day. I know that's, as I mentioned, Business is is uh, is not easy. Doing business is not easy, but at the end of the day, it's uh, it's enjoyable. I, I really like that a lot. I think uh, there is a there is something to be said about that that ability to move through something that you you love can can often come with some some challenges, right? To wrap up, I I want to do something a little bit fun. We've been doing this okay. with some of our guests, and we just go through a, a rapid fire. Uh, questions, uh, just okay. somewhat unrelated to what we've talked about, but it, it's just oh, another great. way for people to get some insight into to you and and uh, what you do. So I can um, say whatever I want. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, perfect. I'm hoping that you will. <laughs> I'm hoping that you will. I answered chocolate. Okay. Everything. Okay. Okay. What book do you most often give as a gift? Uh, there is a book called Peace by Chocolate that was just launched actually a few few weeks ago that <laughs> i started sending out <laughs> this is uh, uh my only Fair chance to enough. do marketing for the book vince you yeah. have to give it to yeah. me yes i i got you 100 <laughs> i think it's the right answer yeah so if um no if there is that, of... there is honestly that the book that i love the most it's called the art of stillness 
and I just love that book. It just teaches me a lot, and it's it really very much speaks to my personality. I know that many people I gifted mm. to them, they just returned it, but because they did not understand it. But I really love it. Oh, I'll I'll read that one. I don't know that book yeah. actually. If you're entertaining guests at home, do you cook or order in? I am the worst cook. I even when I arrived here before uh, my family arrived, uh, I asked my mother at three a.m. Uh, Lebanon time when she was still there, how to do fried eggs, and I burned them. So I am really a crazy, <laughs> uh, the worst cook ever. But I'm learning. I'm learning because, uh, yeah, I have I have to get that uh, basic life skill correct. But I am a big fan of um, ordering in for sure. Okay, well, maybe I'll give you a gift as a book, a cookbook. Oh, thank you. Or oh, we were, there yeah. was just a cookbook <laughs> yeah. actually launched um, I, just a few days ago. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, exciting. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. What object do you feel was designed exceptionally well? What's the, the thing you love to look at to use the most? I honestly, it's not about what I use, but the things that I like is everything. Uh, you know, I have a standard in life to look up to Apple. You know, their their products are really stunning. And I know I've heard stories about when they started designing computers. It's like if we design this well, people would put it in their uh, living rooms and celebrate it. If we design this bad, they would still use it, but they would put it in their basement. Right. And Mm -hmm. I love just that concept is we design things that are beautiful so we can be proud of and they can be become part of who we are. So I love their products. I don't I don't use them. I don't use them, but I really love their way of thinking. Yeah, you you buy a Mac, put it on the shelf next to the family photos, and then exactly. use your PC somewhere, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, next, what is your favorite city? My favorite city, you know, there is the city I was I was born in. It's my home by birth, at Damascus. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that. I love the harmony. I love the sense, and I love the people there. The second lovely city for me, uh, you know, it's uh, certainly uh, everywhere in Canada. But the city, it, it's that's for the cities. You know, every every major city in Canada, Halifax has really a place in my heart that uh, is very special uh, because I've traveled a lot across the country. Uh, if, if we talk about places, if you ask me what's my favorite place that I love the most, I certainly would say Antigonish. It is a very special place uh, that no matter what happens or no matter... I'm I'm gonna focus always about celebrating this amazing town that has welcomed our family because it means a lot to me to be here. Are you most comfortable in a suit, t-shirt, or barefoot? I am a suit person. I'm a very yeah, much. I a don't suit think person. I've ever seen. I'm you. wearing. <laughs> <laughs> I have never seen you in a photograph where you haven't been impeccably yeah. dressed. Yeah, I I'm, I'm doing this podcast even without the video, and I'm wearing a suit for it. Do you believe I, that? I don't. Yeah, yeah I believe yeah. that. And I'm actually wearing a T-shirt. So that's, oh, that's me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last question here. What is the skill or talent that you have that would surprise most people? Hobby, uh, skill, or talent? So many. Yeah. So many people, they don't know that I have. I, I think I'm a, a full doctor. I'm not practicing in in canada mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm i'm full doctor so i have all of this medical knowledge that i've gained before i'm not really using at this point and i know there was it was much necessary during this uh, this pandemic but i know that we're also doing some important stuff as a family many people they don't really know that i i'm a, a doctor too so they, they yeah, no, do right. not really yeah they they don't really know that part of the story uh because i'm always a chocolate guy as i mentioned that was my passion when my family had that passion about chocolate. And I will uh, yeah. always celebrate that as a skill alternate, no matter what, you know, in 10 years from now, whether I go back to medicine or not. But I think this is uh, this is part of, of who I am. And uh, yeah, one of my favorite TV shows are the medical shows like on, on Netflix or everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My, just before we leave, you have to tell me the story about uh, where it's safer in Toronto in a taxi or in an emergency. Oh, unit. where did you hear that? I heard it on one of <laughs> I, it was a video. I, I heard you can, tell me that story just because it's, it's so funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it is quite it's, interesting. So when I came here, it was uh, like um, my family... Um, and I had the discussion. I'm like, uh, yeah, I really want. I, I'm. I applied to come to Canada first to continue my medical studies, 
that's the reason why I first applied. Uh, but then the family mm -hmm. came and then everything changed. But in the beginning of the journey, I was like, yeah, I might just try to go back to medicine, folks. And uh, I knocked on many doors for uh, like um, medical schools in Canada. Some of them asked me to go back to uh, high school. They even did not recognize that I have done even anything back back home in Syria and not, nothing about my degree. So and then I have a friend of mine in Toronto. He was like, well, it's going to take you some time, man. I'm like, why? He was like, this is the system. So you have really to go back. You have to study. You have to do the MCAT. You have some schools that ask you for a high school degree again to undergraduate four years. And then you might get the chance 1%, 2% maybe in some schools. I'm like, wow, this is really tough. And it was like, yeah, do you know that um, this is really tough? Because you know that if you are in Toronto, because in Toronto, if you a heart, had a heart attack, it is safer to be in a taxi rather than being in, at the emergency room at the hospital. And I asked him why. He was like, because 80% of cab drivers in Toronto are immigrant physicians. <laughs> that, <laughs> who that who is could not practice. Sad, uh, yes. <laughs> it's the saddest thing I've ever heard, but it's, yeah. so, it's, so, it's so funny. Yeah, well, so I, funny. I know that he was, he oh, was exa exaggerating. Yeah, yeah, exaggerating. Yeah, know, it's not 80%, but, it's, just, but it, the, 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 no. it's real stories. It's you getting, know, people are, yeah, like, people are, are not getting their yeah. credentials recognized in the country. And I share this as a way, like, to make people aware that we are losing yeah. a lot of potential as a country from uh, immigrant oh physicians. Yeah. Not because, you know, there's something wrong in being a cab driver. It is a lovely place to be. You meet a lot of people. This, if this is your passion, go for it. But these people did not want to be cab drivers, right? That's the yeah. problem is they were that, forced to. I think the country is, our country is doing ourselves a huge disservice by having that layer of red tape that doesn't open itself up. But uh, yeah. you tell it in such a funny way, and I just, <laughs> it's just, a, I don't know, we could leave it at that. And uh, thank you very much right. for, for your time today. Uh, it's always a pleasure talking to you, and um, I hope that uh, we'll be able to see each other soon in uh, the coming months in our space. Yeah, It's looking yeah, beautiful, absolutely. by the way. It is looking beautiful. Yeah. Thanks so much, Vince. Thank you, everyone, the team, who did really phenomenal work. I'm really excited. I'm really uh, grateful it for it all certainly of you is. guys. Thank you. Thank you. We're grateful for you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Design Makes Everything Better podcast by Breakhouse, a Canadian strategic design firm. This was episode two with Tarek Haddad, founder and CEO of Peace by Chocolate. A full transcript and show notes can be found at breakhouse.ca slash podcast slash two. If you like the show, help us out. Subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app and share us with your friends. Have feedback or ideas? Drop us a line at podcast at breakhouse.ca. 